Hi, this is Randy Randall of No Age and host of the podcast Hyphen It with Randy Randall. I want to welcome our newest sponsor of the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Hyphenate listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash hyphenate. Again, that's distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash H-Y-P-H-E-N-A-T-E. Go get your music streaming everywhere now. Thank you for listening to Hyphen with Randy Randall. That is me. On today's show, I have my very good friend, Mr. Oliver Ackerman. You know him from A Place to Bury Strangers. Incredibly loud, destructive, stroby, annihilating band, A Place to Bury Strangers, as well as the incredible guitar effects pedal company, Death by Audio. Oliver is an incredible example of what I mean when I say a hyphenate. He's totally the whole package of doing one thing and why not do 10 other things at the same time while we're at it. Outside of doing the band and the pedals, he also has an arcade company, which you'll hear him talk about a little bit, as well as a record label, Dead Strange, who put out my last record. So record label, band, pedal company, arcade company. He also was involved in a venue, Death by Audio, or DBA, as an incredible venue in Brooklyn. And it was really a treat to sit down with the man and talk about all things Oliver Ackerman. So here we go. Cool, man. Sweet. <laughs> What's that poster behind you, Randy? Ooh, that is a fleece blanket of a Spanish poster of the Masters of the Universe oh. from Dolph Lundgren oh, wow. oh, and yeah, Frank Langella. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and the show is called Hyphen It. And so my idea behind this was I wanted to talk with people that do more than one thing. And when I think about people that do more than one thing and, and are well known for doing more than one thing, I think of Oliver Ackerman, you know, hey, star right. and head honcho of uh, <laughs> A Place to Bury Strangers, as well as Big Boss Man behind DBA. So tell me a little bit about sure. the, the, you know, the, how do those maybe first sort of describe each of those things for people that aren't immediately familiar with those with I with both institutions and how do they come about? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, Death by Audio is an effects pedal company, and it was started in I think two thousand two, and it was just me sort of building effects pedals, and then as time goes on, kind of grew into more and more effects pedals and working with more and more people, and then it eventually turned into a venue and branched off as like an arcade brand and all sorts of things. <laughs> but um, And then A Place to Very Strangers is a band that started in when I moved to New York in like 2003, and then kind of just i don't know we sort of got lucky with a rave pitchfork review once and then i've heard of that that, that. (laughs) and uh (laughs) and then so you know i don't know tour all over the world and play shows and record albums and you know started a record label and stuff kind of a, a lot of a lot of different things yeah and what inspires you to to do so many things or was there ever i mean you know what was there a precedent that you think you were going that you had like a path you had seen like oh I can take the steps and these footsteps or did you really feel off in uh, in your own wild world? 
I think I'm just an idiot. You know, I think that it's like, uh, you know, all these things seem like attractive and fun kind of to do. And so yeah. you sort of want to do a little bit of everything. And, um, I, you know, when you start to realize that you kind of can put things together and it just sort of can take a lot of hard work, all you got to do is sort of declare yourself, hey, we're in uh, – a, a band you know hey this is a, a company or something you know you just <laughs> yeah. sort of you know forget about some of maybe like the things that would you know be like a wall for other people not to start these things and then you just sort of dive in and um i don't know fall in love with all the work that you're doing and kind of continue doing it and i love to work on stuff so i'm constantly kind of jumping between all of these different things and then that starts to sort of really build something the more you do those things. And as that happens, then it builds into something else and you start to be able to quit your day job and uh, you know, work on these things. It's amazing. Oh, I think laundry's done. Yeah, I think so. Is that I you? It it's too. on your side? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so. not too far from my laundry setup either. It could have possibly sure. be me. <laughs> cool. um, what was I going to say? Oh, so, and then with pedals, where, why, how? I mean, I, I also play guitar and have pedals, but I've, I've never made a pedal. Where, where did that first happen? And how did, how did you, did, were you shocking yourself uh, I mean, it, a lot? Totally, definitely. Uh, but, it would started to happen. I was living in Virginia and we had this band that was like my high school band and, you know, it was going on kind of after high school. And, you know, we really tried so hard to like book tours and, you know, play crazy shows, whatever we possibly could constantly like silk screening flyers. And we had our own, other own record label and we're trying to put out other bands music and, you know, do as much as we possibly can and kind of to no avail. You know, so it's like, you know, you'd go record at some studio somewhere and it was obviously some guy who liked country music or something and not our kind of music at all. So terrible fit because we're like out of our element. And so you start to want to like figure out how can you do all of these things. And so, you know, you start to get, you know, four track tape machines and then you get the six track tape machine and then, you know, you get a computer recording set up and all this. And then also at that time, you're trying to think like, how can we make this band like insane and crazy? And so you're taking and you're trying to modify your guitars and you're modifying your amplifiers. And then you're like, what? There's only like 10 different types of effects. Maybe there's some <laughs> other cool effects that are out there that nobody else has heard of before. And so, you know, you just kind of dive down all those sort of uh, rabbit holes and you know, I was just trying to like teach myself how to solder. I was trying to mod gear and breaking it. I was trying to get my hands on whatever I possibly could. I was reading books about electronics and just, you know, not understanding any of them. And then slowly, <laughs> eventually over time, you know, some things start to make some sense. You eventually figured out how to solder, you know, and then all of this is sort of building a language and excitement. And is that before the time of like YouTube and all this stuff, that sort of now are so helpful, but also kind of other weird, wasteful forms of energy too. Like I find myself like <laughs> watching videos and not like doing stuff or something sometimes, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, this was the time when you kind of, I don't know, you were just sitting around almost bored. So it is the middle of the night. I'm going to try to tear this apart, try to build this thing. And I don't know, sometimes it would work. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm trying. I was looking around. I, I still have my first book. I bought the. There was like the big, you know, kind of almost like large format, almost the size of like a Rolling Stone or like a Spin magazine thing of like how to build guitar pedals or, or no guitar pedals for musicians. Do you did you ever have uh, that? Oh yeah, that's a good. Do you know one. what I'm talking yep. about? Like a yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting that and looking at it and then just think. Yeah, again, it was the like the all Greek and it just never. I was like, I think I'm just gonna keep playing with Man. this phaser I have. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to change anything. I need, I need that another phaser. That book is maybe. so tough as well. There's, I yeah, tried to okay. build things out of that. None of it worked. It was like, <laughs> you know, so miserable. Oh. Now I could build that, but I feel like there was things that were assumed that you know that they didn't tell you or something, you know? Yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad but, it wasn't just me. I thought I, I was know. a dummy. I thought you read that book and it made sense Man. to you. I think I even bought one of those kits and it didn't work and stuff. It was all, yeah, in some shoebox somewhere now, but yeah i um i had the experience my dad uh was an electrician and uh oh, cool. and and so and he had you know he, he kind of made me not afraid to, to you know to put wires together but also just afraid enough to know like well this will shock you and so we would put little we remember we we made, just made it like an led like a flashing led in a box you oh, know just cool. to show me kind of a simple circuit early sure. you know when i was young i was probably too young to really appreciate it but um but we had the little box and then we put and then my brother put it in his car to make it look like he had a um uh car alarm uh, like car alarm right like the fake car alarm like it's just a, <laughs> just a flashing red light like oh no one's gonna break into my car now there's a flashing red light that i made with my dad did it um, work did but, his car never get broken into probably right pr probably not probably not that one you know he probably yeah uh but then and then there was another one where I had this little tiny practice amp where I wanted to put I figured out if you put the you know the 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 headphones into the input it would you know oscillate oh, yeah. it'd make this thing and so I, I had this thought like well but it would also cut out it wouldn't go through the the speaker so like can I have like just a separate headphone out or a separate you know like a and so my dad just just split off of the speaker cable wire you know and so it would could go to the speaker and oh, go to the cool. headphone out you know and so that was my I think that was my biggest achievement of like a, of a audio design that my dad helped me I mean, that's awesome. That's like, incredible. Yeah. That's such like a cool thing. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. Those are the things that kind of even change my world with, uh, you know, with those like broken amplifiers or, you know, that yeah. sound when the amp sounds like it's breaking or, you know, it's these kind of moments where, you know, I didn't have to be skilled at playing guitar or something, which really enticed me. You know, it's like all those things. Like, you know, there would be like some kid in high school would sit there and play the guitar all day. And I was like, there's no hope that I'll ever be able to do what that guy's doing. You know, right, so right. it seemed like effects or some of this stuff was going to kind of fill in that gap and was seemed like some magic, I don't know, beans or something to grow a beanstalk of music that's a <laughs> and, and what when what was the first pedal that you felt was successful like what was the moment like because so obviously i did all these little things but never really felt like i could monetize it or make a jump to making a as a as a, as a you know the, as a company but where where was that uh, was there a flight switch or was it just kind of like you're one of your buddies with like oh like my friend would pay you 10 bucks for that thing or how did that yeah turn? i mean i really was kind of in a I was kind of in a bind. I wanted to go on this uh, backpacking trip to Europe for a month and I didn't have a job and I was living in this warehouse that we had built out to be like practice spaces. And, um, and I just had this idea for like the craziest, simplest pedal, which is like a forced feedback loop, which was the first death by audio pedal. And, um, 
and then I thought this would be like a make enough money to go on this trip because the effect basically was your speaker splitter into the headphones amp basically into a pedal <laughs> and uh, you know it's, it was kind of dumb but I felt like I really people should push more experimental music kind of and I thought like everything is always so geared towards all these like weird metal people or something or this strange soft alternative rock or something and so it was like uh, this just seemed like it would like fuck up the industry or something and uh, just something small not, no big just, goals just always want to fuck up the whole industry now. <laughs> yeah no, no big goals you know uh, <laughs> take down Napster no or something but yeah. uh, so the, the, the this was the idea and i thought i could kind of make enough money to sort of go on this trip so i thought death by audio sounded like a cool name total sonic annihilation was the name of the pedal i thought it would like inspire people to fuck shit up and um you know it's it was enough to make some quick cash to go on that trip so it was really like short-sighted i mean this whole plan came together in like a month or something and wow. I'd made these sales and made this pedal. And the whole design of it was to make something that was like super easy. And I felt ease beyond confident that I could come out with, you know, so there was other designs and stuff I had done and built for myself. But it was it was really kind of even, you know, what sometimes people say, but is sort of smart is like, start your business small or, you know, or something <laughs> like, yeah. you know, don't, you know, sometimes I think feel like people try to dive in so big with some of these things. And you got to kind of feel out what are all the kinks and the quirks and especially being like a sole business owner and, you know, doing all the work and stuff yourself. So, but I think just having dove in and jumping and making that jump and making quick decisions to just actually just do it and say hell with it you know here's my shot i'm going to try to do it is really one of the things which i think holds most people back from this stuff you know and sure the design isn't perfect and, and in some ways like you i look back on it and i'm like you know was that you know, is that kind of even, you have all sorts of questions. Was this a lame product to come out with? You know, doesn't is matter. this like not yeah. a, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, is this like, you know, I don't know, whatever, all these different things. Oh, I should have done it like this, or I could have done it like that, or all these things. Mm. But it's just good to just get it out there. Same thing with like recording a record or something. You know, you exactly. could spend years on an album or mixing the perfect song, but usually it doesn't sound better than like when the like original idea was kind of conceived. So, sort of almost like come up with as many ideas as you possibly can and try to make that shit happen. I don't know. No, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, I think it's, yeah, instead of getting hung up on something, you know, it's like, but if you, yeah, I, I have spent, you know, so little time going back over the first songs I ever wrote or first songs I recorded and, and pulling my hair out about it because it's it's done. It's over. And I already recorded it. I played it. Oh, yeah. Now, whether I play it live tonight, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later or not, that's then I can go, well, you know, that was for that place yeah. in time. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't necessarily feel comfortable, you know, going, or I can't even figure out what the fuck I was playing. I don't even know what those notes are. Yeah, what do you think about those early recordings and stuff? Or do you look back on them? I don't think at all. Or... Yeah, 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 totally. Perfect. I mean, cool. I think I think of you know I think of them as fond kind of moments. You know, what I mean, I think it's yeah. you know I don't think I had any uh, nightmares of heart on the sleeve, you know, warbling that would that would cause embarrassment. If anything, it's you know I think it's very, you know, you you it's that's a it's the sound of somebody trying. 
You know, and that's what I love. Yeah, to, you know, when sure. you because we're, we're fortunate enough to we're at a lot of you know shows every night, whether we're playing them or seeing somebody else. But the best thing I love seeing you know a new band that's just they're give a shit, they're trying. The worst thing I hate, totally. you know, like I don't even care what genre of music it is or style or anything, but somebody up there who just really is isn't trying or something they're just it's so disaffected or so like not lazy but just um i don't know just aloof or something it's like dude just you know i'd rather if you suck and mean it that's best part yeah no it's so true it's really the coolest thing and one of the things i just absolutely love about live music is that like struggle that you're seeing right in front of your face of all of these things like kind of going wrong or all these magical things that they do that's so great or whatever it is like I don't know that sort of like real human aspect of it which makes me you know not enjoy as much like seeing shows at like Madison Square Garden and stuff like that you know yeah. or, or something it's a or it's a different thing that's almost like seeing a movie or something you know you're it's weirdly like but seeing shows at like DIY spaces or small cafes and stuff are like the coolest. I feel like you've really seen someone at some such like in their naked moments or something. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and it's and it's inspiring. But what what was it like for you growing up? Like where did you go to the Madison Square Garden, you know, the big arena type shows or the big theater shows? And what was your first sort of exposure to the smaller stuff or how did that how was that journey like? Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of like, I guess, lucky with like friends who had, there wasn't even many of them, but like bands who would just play the worst, shittiest events ever in like, <laughs> you know, any sort of event that they possibly could. It'd be like at, in the mall parking lot, you know, at some like pit barbecue house, you know, and this kind of stuff <laughs> where it was like, uh, and those shows were so awesome because it just felt like, you know, you were it was you were going against the grain and you were there in this comfortable spot like with just friends in some small town it was i don't know it was like just more of sort of like a party or something that you were going to and you felt like you were infiltrating you know what the normal life was i guess what it feels like to be like a high schooler and out and about on the town in some ways where you think you're in some i don't know badass movie where it's you against the, <laughs> the government or something you know but but yeah. not really because the people at the chick-fil-a don't care you know or something so. oh yeah <laughs> so so no arena shows no you didn't see any arena shows where, where like what were sort of the first musical inspirations i guess kind of speaking more to the to the, to the place to raise strangers you know side of your um, brain yeah i don't know i mean i guess it was like my my brother you know he was into like punk music and stuff so that was like a big inspiration just even you know listening to some of that stuff and like the car and whatnot or or borrow taking his record collection and and then going to go see shows is really pretty much mostly like small ass kind of diy sort of shows i mean i didn't even think of it as like a diy sort of experience at that time really and then going to college it was i was going to college in rhode island at the time when bands like lightning bolt and landed and stuff and black dice were all just starting up and playing shows so that was just like a whole world of just absolute insanity and awesome, crazy <laughs> warehouse shows where I was like, this is the fucking best shit ever. You know, it's like, it was totally so fucking cool. And, you know, that's really kind of what made me sort of fall in love with all of like warehouses and all of the possibilities that you could do in there and everything that you could possibly make happen. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, now I always want to live where I work and, work all the time and do all you know i don't know being like weird hand-built spaces and all of those things so yeah 
That's incredible. So that so that was really the the the, the transformation was you know sort of from from small town Virginia backyard barbecue shows and then into into the RISD sort of early so, yeah early aughts, totally RISD I mean, vibe yeah yeah and I mean I think that those things were like sort of what I always wanted to do in the small town backyard barbecue shows you know it was like finally people were actually doing it like to the degree and then it was all surrounded by people who were also creating incredible artwork all over the place so it was just such like a world of everyone exploring the craziest fucked up shit possible and then there were like you know shows being thrown by kids who probably shouldn't throw shows who were like let's start a fire in a train tunnel you know and like bring a generator down there you know and it's like what a would, like my mom would have killed me if she found out that I was going to that show, you know, or something. But it was just like awesome, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, this uh, these these last two runs we did, we had uh, uh, Joel Kayak who was in Landed um, in Six oh, Feet yeah. Satellite. Sick. He he was he was opening some yeah, shows, yeah. and then and then we had um, so Bjorn cool. and Aaron. Bjorn and Aaron from um from you know Black Dice what? and other Flaccid yeah. Mojo and it's you know what I mean and it was oh, one yeah. of those things where, you know was, there's so much hero worship from from Dean and I really trying to play it cool you know what I mean but but they're they were both so so <laughs> nice to um to share stories of, of the time and place because you know Southern California you know seemed like a million miles away from uh you know Rhode Island and you know those that kind of stuff and Fort Thunder and you know we we would hear tell and we would you know dispatches yeah. from the front line of of you know the war of on sound and uh and it was very inspiring what what we were doing in the smell yep yeah yeah what was what was it like up in the smell in the early days and stuff i guess or you know yeah yeah was it bands who were on tour as well going and playing fort thunder also playing at the smell and stuff or i think i think there was some crossover for sure yeah yeah, I don't think the smell had a big touring contingency. I think the smell was born out of, you know, uh, Jabberjaw being shut down. And so there, there was definitely a tour sort of vibe there. Um, and, but I think, you know, the the smell is, you know, is, is has, had its own sort of challenges of just being a crusty, smelly little little spot originally. And then a crusty, smellier, bigger spot and once it moved to downtown. But for me, I um I grew up in a small uh, suburb outside of L.A. And, and it was, you know, I only knew like the big commercial radio stuff of K-Rock and MTV. I didn't really have an access. You know, where there was a small college town, Claremont, where you could kind of get a little bit of a coffee house vibe going. But, Were um, you same playing thing guitar though. at the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started I started guitar around uh, 12. And uh oh, wow. And uh, just, but it never took lessons. You know, I, I could relate to when you were saying, you know, just looking for things to do that weren't musical, that still involved the instrument. At one point, the summer, I think when I was 14, my, I, my dad forced my brother and I to, uh, or not for, you know, but the, uh, we re, we redid the roof on the house and my brother fell through the ceiling, you know, fell through the joist and then put, punched a hole in the ceiling in my room. So then once we got it all closed up, there was uh, just this giant hole and a rat died in the, in our little attic space. And so it was just kind of wafting right into my room because there was a big hole there. And so I had this, I had this uh, ladder kind of like holding like a, piece of wood up in or something there was a there was a metal ladder in my room for for months and so i used the metal ladder to create feedback and sort of rub the guitar against it you know very disciple oh, of Thurston more sonic youth kind of just rubbing things yeah. guitar you know uh drumsticks and stuff on the strings and but, but i'd try to create feedback i'd like hang the guitar off of the ladder and with the strings vibrating against the ladder and turn up all the amps and or have a splitter you know but you know my, my stereo so phaser cool. and split and then try to create a feedback kind of thing in the room but but again 
again, not, not but it involved nothing of me learning a D chord or a C chord or <laughs> any kinds of chord shapes. <laughs> but I wanted to make yeah. those kind of those rackets and those sounds. So so that you know, but so, so but the, that being said, once I found the smell, it was it was like I think I could work. I think these are my people. I think I could I could play this weird music that I like to make at places like this. So, so cool. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, the wildness and craziness was always was abound. Did you ever yeah. work at the smell? I did. Yeah, I started off. Um, it was all kind of volunteer basis, and I think work is a loose is a loose word. So sure. <laughs> mean there was money <laughs> being exchanged, but mostly it was just kind of you hang out long enough till you get put to work. I'll go, hey, can you just stamp this guy's hand? I'm going to go to the bathroom, and so I was just hanging out at the front door anyway. It's like, oh, I'm going to start stamping this guy's hand, and then I was like, oh, I guess I'm the door guy now. And then um, same thing, hanging out by oh, the yeah. sound booth long enough. Like, oh, can you run? Can you go get me a microphone, or can you get this cable? And then eventually learn how to kind of do sound. And then, but also Ooh. involved a lot of a lot of sweeping and a lot of you know cleaning up and sure. you know figuring it yeah. out and eventually yeah you know, everybody's got to do that stuff. But that was fun though. I mean, that was all part of. I had nowhere else to be. I didn't have anything else to do. That's all I wanted. Yeah, I was around. I was around live music, and again, it was transform transformational. You know, just seeing that people it's just so giving cool it their that all. It's so cool. There's even an outlet for like kids doing that stuff. It's like we would spend so much time like hanging out at like Waffle House and Denny's and all these places because if you're not the age of drinking, there's nothing to do really for a lot totally. of kids and you know i don't know and then when you are the age of drinking it's like wow the one outlet that everyone has is they can go get drunk like what a weird society <laughs> we live in you know it's like i don't know it just seems like such a strange like um you know built up form of like entertainment system or something for people it just seems kind of messed up you know like why aren't there more sort of like things to kind of do late at night and all that stuff so when there's venues and there's culture going on and all that i think it's like so important for kids all over and it was so cool and helpful for me to go to those shows at like community centers or whatever the heck was going on and be able to hang out with people and do stuff and and if it had been something that was maybe like formal, like some weird dance or something, I would have just felt like so out of place and just bizarre about the whole thing. So I don't know. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's I cool. think about that a lot. You know, the, 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 the it has to be just dangerous enough. You know what I mean? Like the all ages space can can. <laughs> is is a is a duck of of many colors or you know what i mean it can it can be a strange yeah. looking animal when it works because you know you would think normally well you gotta have all the lights turned on and have to have security and everybody you know these are there's children here by god there's people who are under the age of drinking you know they can't you yeah. can't just have them wandering around downtown you know alleyways with danger but there's but the danger is part of what makes it work and that's hard that's a hard uh it's a hard yeah. balance to get right, but you also don't want to subject, you know, people to ho the, a horror show or get robbed or kidnapped or something. I know that. Yeah, that is a weird thing. It, it it's is a fine line. And yeah, it is that time too when you're like a kid and you really want to be independent. You want to be treated like as someone who can be trusted or something. And yet you want to experience like the most crazy shit you possibly can. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's like, you know, yeah. you, know I, I, you, you can't like be totally safe and win and whatever. But, you know, that's part of, I guess, like life and those things. Yeah, you got to get in just enough over your head to where you got to figure figure it out, figure your way out. You know, you can't. Yeah. But if you didn't get in over your head, then you wouldn't have you would never be forced to learn anything new or like you know fix something. Like if that amp wasn't on fire, right? You know, yeah. you wouldn't really have to. 
to figure it totally. out. Totally. And then when you when you survived it, then you wouldn't be like, oh, I can light this amp on fire on purpose. You know, <laughs> Let's do it again. Time. Let's do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I have I have like nerdy questions. I mean, I think I you know, uh, cool. what pedals were you playing before before you created your own? Like, and then you know, what I mean, where where does what was sort of the the pedalscape looking like that you enjoyed before you sort of cracked it and recreated it? Um, let's see. I mean, my first pedal was an Ibanez Power Lead. So it was like Ooh. this super fuzzy kind of uh, pedal I thought sounded pretty cool. I don't know if it still sounds cool. I don't have it anymore. There was, uh, um, we had the DoD Classic Fuzz. That was another pedal I remember of those early days. There was uh, a like a Lafayette, like echo chamber kind of unit. We had a Sansui six track, which had this crazy awesome reverb in it. Um, Crybaby wah pedal. Mm. At one time I thought, you know, once I started really kind of having a direction, I wanted to get like as many chorus pedals as possible. So I used to play bass with like five chorus pedals on it once, kind of give sort of a <laughs> reverby sort of sound. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's you know, after that, it kind of gets a little bit blurry. I'm not quite sure exactly. I used to then buy whatever I possibly could at like pawn shops. So there's lots of those like weird kind of our standard sort of boss pedals and DOD and whatnot, you know, probably had the, you know, hyper metal and la distortion and um whatever <laughs> all that stuff was <laughs> my first pedal was this pink uh dod uh the thrash master oh you know, cool real, Heck real yeah. bright pink yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Was, yeah that's the, a good one and then, yeah, the and then power was, lead was pink and then, too. yeah right there's just something about that that age you know yeah the um the, and then was it guitar centers or where were, where were your like places you were searching for you, you know thrift stores and things but yeah, so it was like, you know, pawn shops were like kind of a big thing. And then there were um, there was some guitar stores, but they were like real unfriendly. The ones or some of them were where it would be like, oh, you want to <laughs> yeah. try out that pedal? Cool, man. And the guy would grab the pedal and play us some licks on it. And he's like, sounds pretty cool. And then take it back, you know, and you'd be like, well, I wanted to play it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then uh, yeah. in Rhode Island, there was Daddy's Junkie Music and they would have all sorts of like broken and crazy shit. That was cool. Um, I don't know. But yeah, wasn't I don't even know if I had heard about Guitar Center until like way later in life so okay. there wasn't even that stuff there was like i didn't even realize it was like sam ash but there was that street in new york and i guess there's like you know like four sam ash stores and a bunch of other music stores and that's still around but i don't know yeah there would be what weird the... things called like mars music or something or i don't know yeah what, what were those pedals that had like the bubble um buttons do you remember it was like the plastic kind of rubber like that bubbled up You'd press that down. Oh, like uh, PV did one of them. There was uh, what the heck was that called? It was like a guy's name, like R.L. Briggs or something, or, or <laughs> C.E. something or other. It sounds right. He, yeah, they yeah. did one of those services. I did have that PV, the reverb one. It was really cool. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's was one amazing. of my earlier pedals. That rings a bell. Yeah, I don't know. And then, 
And then, and you definitely have seen, you know, sort of the transformation or covetization or de- deification of the guitar pedal, right? I mean, I mean, it's it's it might sound different, or for younger people that are now, or people who just recently, or within the last ten years, gotten into you know understanding these boutique world, but pedals were kind of almost seen like, uh, like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a pedal, the pedals were almost like cheating, almost like, like plugins, like the way, you know, if people use totally. plugins now on stuff. And that was sort of in the early nine or in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like if you had pedals or a lot of pedals, it was sort of seemed like you're not really playing guitar, which maybe you weren't, but also, you know, you were cheating somehow. Totally. Like those were for cheaters, not for real guitar, real guitar players plugged in direct. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on, but then a lot of those bands that were playing with the things direct, I don't know, they were either like assholes or they were kind of, uh, you know, into playing some sort of music, you know, at least locally for me that I wasn't really that into. And so it was a lot more of the experimental bands that some band was trying to sound like Pink Floyd or something where I was like, wow, that's so cool. And they'd have some silver box or something. And it was like, how is they making all that crazy sound with that silver box? Now, sometimes you listen to those recordings and it sounds like the guy was playing direct anyways, you know, but for some (laughs) reason in your head, you know, you think of all that stuff. But yeah, pedals were not such a crazy thing. Now, like we go to these like trade shows and stuff like NAMM or something. And there's people who collect this stuff who don't even play guitar, really. It's just like blows my mind. You know, like for me, it was wasn't, you know, that'd be the only reason you'd want that thing is to like unlock some crazy sounds you couldn't get anywhere or, you know, inspire some song or something. It's other than that, you're why would you throw your money away for that thing? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminds me, you know, the the gold edition of the EQ plugin or something. You know, what I mean, I feel like software. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, li- limitations have not. You know, it's they're not to collect which version of. Oh, I have the first plugin they ever released. I mean, they made it better later, yeah. but the first one sounded like shit, and I like that one better. You know, that's basically you know what some yeah. of the versions of you know pedals have become, right? Or, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, all that stuff. You know, it's like a lot of those things. You know, they were real cheap. It wasn't that good even to begin with, and someone famous used it and then there you go it's worth a lot of money yeah. <laughs> you can create a whole uh, a whole company around things like that or industries yeah, but, for but, sure. uh, um so on the place to raise strangers side when you know when i, well, I guess sorry, it's more on the music side i i often think about playlists for specific reasons you know what i mean like i don't have i don't have like the blanket like i want to hear these 10 songs all the time maybe there's you know a few a few that are like that most of them would be made by neil young but but other than that but other other than that i kind of want a playlist for specific occasions like for example i had to have um a tooth implant put in which is you know like have a tooth ripped out and then you know put a, a big dental surgery so i created a playlist for you know songs for dental surgery you know what I mean? Like I needed something like that. Or if uh, I'm going to go to a certain, or if I'm going on a, a certain road trip, I guess not just any road trip, but you know, certain road trips in different parts of the country require different songs. If do, do you have playlists like this? Am I, am I crazy for thinking of things in this way? And if you do like what, what would be on a playlist for these specific well, occasions? I mean, I never thought of it like that. I mean, I'm one of the type of person where it's like, put me in that situation and then let's figure out what the perfect playlist is for the situation. But it, you're totally it. right. You know, I think I'm just, I don't know if I would be like, I feel like I'd be too pre-planning 
You know, I'd be like, you know, what inspires me after this dental surgery to play or something? It would be the question I'd be asking myself. But that's a great way. You're kind of setting up like the soundtrack of your life or the soundtrack of these events. And, and that's so true. I mean, different things really like tune in more with what those events are. And I mean, that's such a great thing. You know, songs for dental surgery. It's, you know, that's I want to hear that playlist, Randy. <laughs> you know, that's like, I'm curious. Like, it's when you first say that, I think of all these like in super intense, heavy, you know, noise, metal, like crazy things. But maybe you wanted to soothe yourself after the pain. I don't know, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there was definitely uh, the, it was the the band live. You know, the Rock of Ages. I don't know if you like the band Robbie Robertson oh, yeah. and Levon Helmer. There was a lot of that in there. Yeah. No, I was kind of tripping. You know, yeah. Because there was oh, cool. some there was some narcotic uh, <laughs> involvement in that in the surgery itself. Yeah, sure. But okay. So, but if you had to have if you had to have a songs for for um, knee surgery playlist, what would you put in there? Oh, geez. Songs for knee surgery. Or some yeah. kind of dental or, or some kind of surgery. Maybe it's not dental, maybe it's knee, maybe it's you know, nose. You're getting you're getting rhinoplasty done. And what was <laughs> what is your I mean so, something really intense, I would say, you know, definitely. Yeah. I think I'd want and once it I don't know, you know, probably some stuff that maybe I even haven't even necessarily heard. Once you're gonna Ooh. go through something like that, I feel like I'd really definitely wanna dive into something you know maybe i would try to find out some sort of like weird kind of avant-garde noise stuff or something that i could kind of get lost in or interested in in figuring out but i think anytime you're having one of those sort of surgeries or something i'll dive into whatever crazy music there is like I think the last time I got like a root canal, I'm trying to think what the heck was, it was like live Santana or something like that Ooh. the whole time. I like and it. it's like, yeah. you know, it was, uh, there'd be certain moments when you wouldn't really want to dive into that. But when you're getting a root canal, I'm clinging on to Santana as much as I possibly can, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and trying to go into that world because, uh, you know, so, I guess I would want to try to challenge myself in some kind of way to like really be intrigued in what the heck was happening. There's a perfect moment to like really focus on the music. You know, you don't want to focus on the knee surgery. Right. So it's like the, the, you know, best time to let your mind expand, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting too, right? Because so often music can become background, you know, background sounds. But if you have a moment to really, you know, where you're trying not to think about what's going on, it's, it almost it flips it. The music isn't the background. The music is the focus, and the the surgery is the the background. You're trying to swap your focus. Totally, yeah. Attention. I mean, so if you um, get the chance to play a weird show, I mean, try to do it at a surgeon's office. Ooh. Live music for uh, for group surgery. For surgery, <laughs> like, but but not just but not just for one person, right? You'd want to maybe have like five or yeah. ten. I like. Oh, definitely. Oh, I yeah, like this. Sure. That's yeah. that like takes this. That's a whole new. Um, that's a whole new level. You could work with some kind of surgical outpatient thing, and we're going to provide a live soundtrack that's going to help somehow in the healing process. I mean, it would process. probably help you mm. think about it. Like, I would love that. I mean, you know, yeah. you're sometimes in those kind of situations, like either bored out of your mind or something. So, you know, playing yeah, for music yeah. for people at hospitals or wherever, that would be awesome. I love it. Yeah, these these things all feel like they should have like some kind of like a. H.R. Giger inspired kind of cover art though, like live music for group oh, yeah, surgery or some, this is some kind of psychic yeah, yeah, TV sure. sort of a kind of th uh, area. Um, and then 
And then you also, I wanted, I didn't want to um, pass up Dead Strange. You created a record label as well, so you didn't have enough to do with fronting a band and running a, a pedal company. You decided to throw a record label on top of, of everything anyway. And and then you, yeah, you also got into video games, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute too, because I don't know anything about that. Sure. But before we get there, uh, record label. What 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 was the impetus behind that, and how was that going, and what do you what have you learned? in that process yeah i mean it, it was always sort of a dream after kind of like doing it so long ago and not really you know kind of having the ability to sort of put much into it except for effort it seemed like now here was an opportunity we could bring you know the success of the band and um you know all of these sort of other endeavors to kind of like push together to hopefully do as much good as we possibly could for artists really so uh, and for the band it seemed like now was the opportunity to just be wide open and do anything we possibly wanted to um and so it seemed you know when the pandemic hit it seemed like the world was going to end and so why not you know just go <laughs> for it and try to do this and yeah so we started and then you know, it's definitely like a lot more work than you think. And so there's a lot more appreciation you have for all the labels that you've ever been on who have sort of helped with all of the kind of like more mundane things, which, you know, nobody's really interested in doing, but it's also been good. We've been able to like bring together more people and working with more people and kind of doing sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, you sort of see like the other side of a lot of this stuff. And, you know, as someone who's doing a label that you can kind of, you know, focus and do whatever you possibly can in all those areas that you felt like record labels weren't helping in the past or, you know, make sure that the records are in stores and push them to as many stores as possible and do all the stuff that I like kind of care about as a record lover. And so, um, you know, it's it's super hard. But it's also like really awesome to kind of even get to work with other artists that I love. And that's uh, really, really cool to just sort of be in there doing that stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. And then do you do you have to use like any kind of scheduling software? How do you how do you keep a schedule? Do you have old school like paper and pen sort of calendar or is it all on your phone? How do you oh, I mean, how do you keep it's, this it's a combination? I've got things like my calendar's full of all sorts of stuff and then we've got like spreadsheets that we're doing stuff and then you know, I've got, I don't know, folders upon folders on my computers <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, some of those things as time, you know, makes it easier and easier as you get better at organization, you know, just kind of staying on top of that stuff. And that's the way, I don't know, a lot of those things where I was so anti-organization for so long in my life, as you get involved in more things and stuff, you realize it's actually important. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so... Yeah. Have you ever had an assistant or a secretary in any of these endeavors? I think a lot of people feel like they're my assistant or secretary. <laughs> I definitely uh, rely on a lot of people to do a lot of different things. So, um, you know, and uh, but but that's it's I think it's also kind of cool. And to I think people are sort of, you know, part of all this sort of stuff and they can get into involved in some weird things which are probably out of their element. Like I'm sure a lot of people don't imagine they'll be working at a pedal company or you know, imagine they'll be, you know, working with a record label or all of these things. So I think it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, I hope it is at least for these people. 
Yeah, I mean that kind of brings up the idea. You know, I, I, I'm obsessed with Walt Disney and and you know sort of what he did. I think as a hyphenate, there's a great example of somebody who just you know there was there was really no limits, but for better or worse. But um, yeah. but the, the the tasking of his Imagineers, you know, basically, oh, you created, you drew the backgrounds of this of this painting or of this you know this film, or you created you know you're drawing characters. Now I'm gonna need you to learn to make um uh, roller coasters. <laughs> Like, yeah, you're you're really good at drawing. Can you create a a a, a, a roller coaster, a giant mountain where we're gonna go 60 miles an hour on a bobsled? I'm like, uh, it's sure. so awesome. I I think that's fun though. I think you know, it's like I would love it if someone came to me with any of those kind of jobs. So it's good if you got someone with like a crazy imagination and a and a sort of way to facilitate that. It's like years ago. I couldn't tell someone to go do something crazy like, hey, let's, you know, work on developing some weird phaser or let's do, you know, go take a plane and go play this crazy show or something because it just wouldn't have been feasible. So it's cool to like have a little bit of that kind of wiggle room. And, and even with like releasing stuff on a label, it's like all this stuff is really expensive. And I think sometimes you know, that's what's holding people back is like someone's like, do I really want to spend $3,000 on my record or something like people can't even necessarily do that. So it's pretty cool when, um, I don't know, you sort of like can finagle your life to have all these different outlets, which kind of feed off of each other and can sort of make all these possibilities happen. Has anyone ever come to you with an idea for a, a DBA pedal that was just so off the wall that you didn't, you know, you weren't able to do or that you were or inspired something else? Do you ever get that kind of uh, dialogue going with people? What's the craziest uh, sometimes pedal, still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I used to do a thing where I would make anybody anything. <laughs> well, that and sounds so dangerous. Any DBA pedals. So, yeah, I made a lot of really silly pedals doing that kind of thing. I think the craziest thing involved, like, someone actually wanted me to finish their pedal and ended up being like a woodworking assignment. It was like a wooden wah pedal that had like a wooden gear and stuff. But so that's kind of like the Walt Disney go do a, a roller coaster yeah. uh, thing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Now, you know, we just sort of get the luxury to sort of dive into all these different crazy projects. And, you know, we're like slowly working on drum machines and, you know, mic preamps and all sorts of crazy stuff that maybe is, um, I don't know insane or whatever that, or computer that, programming that sounds exciting or, yeah and then uh rack gear will there be any rack gear in the future have you seen have you been keeping up with the resurgence of rack gear is no? there a resurgence there... i don't know i just oh, i always loved it but uh so yeah, yeah we're working mind, on rack gear the, yeah. yeah really <laughs> yeah, oh, that's exciting oh that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah for I, sure I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I, yeah. I, at least within my within my own consciousness, there's been a resurgence of rack gear in the last two years, and, and according to all my I mean, rack you gear really fan want, pages, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want or, some big knobs to turn your hands on and all that stuff. Makes sense. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun getting a big like case. You know what I mean? I think it's it's become my luddite version of the like the Euro rack system. Like I don't I don't want to be a modular synth guy, but I wouldn't mind having a giant rack to push around on in a flight case, <laughs> <laughs> like a Bob yeah, Weir or something in the '90s with tiny little yeah, cutoff exactly. jeans and a fanny pack. Oh hell yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen. Um, um, okay, cool. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in just in just a minute. But I wanted to ask you. Oh, oh one thing. 
that came up in the beginning when we were first talking was, you know, uh, were you aware of Greg Ginn and his sort of, you know, solid state transistor idea then into, yeah. you know, was that, uh, was that on your radar as a, as a person starting out and kind of thinking like, oh, cool, I could be a guitarist and a, you know, technical sort of person yeah, as I mean, well? I don't, or, know, I, mean, I don't know if I connected, I don't know if I connected those dots so like literally or something, but definitely those things, you know, was like, it, it you know even the, there was like the guy from boston and stuff and whatever oh, yeah. making all those things and the rock man and so it's like this company the yeah. rock man and stuff you know so it's like those were yeah. things that i thought like oh this is so cool you know people you know could do these kinds of things and so you know i guess it must have had some sort of influence i don't know i just i think I just sort of felt like you could sort of do anything because I had tried so many things and failed at them for so long. It would just sort of do what you want to do and do what you love and sort of, uh, you know, I, I didn't expect success out of any of this stuff, really. So I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of which, tell me about the arcade. Like, what oh, yeah, is the I mean, arcade that's functionality? Just, <laughs> That, so that was uh, one of our housemates at the time when we had Death by Audio, the venue and living space. And he was into building DIY arcade games and he would build these cabinets for people. And so when then it started to be these like big cabinet building and arcade game video, like parties and stuff that we would have over at our place. And it just turned into DBA arcade. It's I really don't really even have anything to do with it, except for just like if they have a fundraiser, I'll be like, hell yeah, let's make this happen or something. But uh, <laughs> You know, um, but it's still just, you know, one of those things that was like an offshoot of all of that different random stuff that had kind of happened. Amazing. So it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, but go to DBA Arcade. It's cool. Yeah. Amazing. That's so cool. Um, okay. So then this will, this will be my, la my last uh, question, my last little segment here, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I'm calling this uh, the Gear Corner. So we're going to use a little bit of our theater of the mind here. <clears throat> are you ready? Can you go with me on this journey? Ready. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> oh my gosh oliver thanks for meeting me in gear corner this is so cool tell me what is what is in your gear corner what is the gear that you have around you and what is the gear that you use to do all your many hyphenated things uh let's see right now i have around me an irvine's fuzz it's like this fuzz Ooh. it's kind of like does this someone gave this to me because they were like this is my favorite fuzz you should really try this out it's cool it's just a great sounding fuzz and it also wobbles around and kind of so that's kind of fun to give a little weird wobble i've got a <laughs> uh death by audio armageddon this is a sick pedal yeah. it's like it's got just super fucked up fuzz sounds and um so it's always like endless inspiration it's one of those things where you probably you maybe couldn't sell it to anyone because they'd be like channels two and three don't work and you you know you'd have to be like you know working a little bit to make it work um i've got a uh ranger effects reverb x this is cool. i mean these yes, are just pedals i, just I was just using with like yesterday or something it's so sick it's so cool i mean i love this yeah, guy's stuff I mean, Everything that he builds, the gate is wicked. It sounds so cool. Yeah. It just sounds so musically weird and awesome. I love the shape of oh, it God. too. Like it's, he's the only person who does weird so, shapes. So, 
<laughs> he was like, so why? proud of me. He came up to me at one of those names and he's like, I'm the first guy to come up with a, I don't remember how many sides, like nine sided enclosure. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know why any musician's really going to care, but that's fucking awesome. So, seven know, minute yeah. abs. Seven minute yeah, exactly. abs. Don't you know it's seven yeah. minutes? It's not six. Hey, man, that's no, that doesn't work. Yeah. Seven minutes. No, no. <laughs> it's so got to be that. <laughs> awesome. I got the Death Row Space Bender. This pedal is amazing. This is one you gotta yeah. have. Um, I don't know. Those are the pedals then, I was just recording with just the other day, but yeah. Beautiful. And then this is, this is my my random um, questions about Gear Corner. Um, cases or no cases? What is your what is your feeling on cases? In general, what do you mean? when you're traveling, or do, do, you, do you have guitar cases? What kind of are they? Soft cases, hard cases? What kind of? No, I, mean, I mean, you just travel I with sure, every, guitars in a pile. Like I don't know. Yeah, so I picture I, your I, I picture your thing just all duct taped together, a bunch of like the um, jazz masters like held together with bungee cords, and you just I put those use on a plane. A, I, I use one cello case, and it has like anywhere between three or four Jaguars all stuffed into the one case. <laughs> Okay. And so it's one bag with all those guitars just hard up against each other. You know, a, they a come soft out. Cello soft, a soft cello case. Soft cello case. Soft cello case. Soft cello case. And I think all the guitars pressed up against each other add to the integrity of the case, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not. the tone wood. The, the yeah, tone, tone wood is now squished, squished together, creates more of a blended tone yeah, between totally. the lacquer and the wood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I prefer drums not in cases because they're lighter. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I prefer yep. amps, not in cases, because it's lighter, you know, all that stuff. And we use a lot of soft bags, you know, but things do break. You know, I used to travel with uh, like a few twin reverbs, you know, I'd travel on tour and do like four twin reverbs or something. Yeah. And then at the end of the tour, you'd be left with one that works. <laughs> and uh, and yep. then I got a case for one of the twin reverbs one time and that one would never break. It was huh. like the foam would, would enable Imagine it to that. not rattle all the tubes out or something and smash or something. So, uh, Could you, believe you know, yeah, case, cases can be really good. But uh, now I just travel with stuff that I can fix. And then Beautiful. when it breaks, you fix it. Great. I love that. And then uh, uh, batteries. What do you I travel used to with be, batteries? I used to be all batteries. batteries. I used to be no pedal board, all batteries, you know, why the hell would someone want to use an adapter and all this crap? But now um, I use a pedal board and the pedals don't ever fail. You know, you don't ever have like yeah. a weird chord issue because it worked and it works again and it's just so much easier. But um, I don't know. There's something fun Does about it, batteries. As a pedal professional, do batteries change the sound? Set it straight. Set the no. record straight. Also, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And what's the change of the sound? Who cares? That sounds cool. If things sound different, yeah. you the, know, that's you, you just that, you use need, that to your advantage. Could you maybe you could create a death by audio like dying battery that you can put? You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a up like an upgrade or a special modification you could put in the pedals. Like here is a fifteen percent left battery, and if you put this in there, it's going to have a certain sag. I'm almost trying to create like a the you know the brown tone sort of level you know yeah, exactly. a dying voltage sucking thing. But you'd have to but branded special branded DBA uh, batteries. You know what I mean? Are like, you looking for a job, Randy? 
<laughs> Here we go. Well, I mean, we put me on special teams. I could be on special special marketing yeah, yeah, teams. For the, for, yeah, the, for the next name, just have a box of like bare, or like dead dead nine volts, <laughs> and you can yeah, yeah, that'll perfect. be the business that's card. Just like you put like a silk so scoop. Great. Yeah, no, here's a bunch yeah, of dead incredible. batteries. Hand out the dead batteries, and everybody will remember that. Amazing. That's okay, so good. And then and then last two questions: backups. Do you bring backups? I, obviously, yes. It sounds like backups are how long? But how long did it take you to have like a backup guitar, backup amp? Um, I mean, you know, I, I do and I don't, you know, with that kind of stuff. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm the real, the type of person where you can do whatever you, you can make a cool sound with whatever you got, you know? So it's like, sometimes, you know, you don't have a working guitar when you're playing the show. You know, we did this even at a show like just the other day on this last tour where it's like all my guitars are broken and I'm kind of like holding this guitar sort of together. The the ground has come ripped out from the pickup. So I've got like a string wrapped around the pickup to then like wrapped around one of the strings on the guitar, you know, which then isn't going to work with that thing. And you can still, you know, make enough sound to kind of like make the show sort of sound the way it was kind of supposed to or maybe even kind of better. Wow. You know, I mean, that's happened sometimes at shows too, where it's like, I remember we played this show in New Zealand and it was like, someone had let me borrow these like two amps, you know, one amp breaks instantly. The second amp dies on like show on song, like two or three or something like that. So it's like, I'm plugged into the bass amp for a little bit. Then I'm plugged into like a DI from the soundboard and you just, it ended up being wicked. You know, it sounded like so crazy and so cool, but it was part of that sort of struggle and all of that stuff that you know because makes it fun and exciting it's like on a good day the show works as it's planned and everyone plays every note <laughs> perfectly and everything but you know then you know what's the fun in that you know you can have yeah. tons of shows like that it's it's more fun if someone throws a pie on stage <laughs> yeah or, or a bowling ball or something yeah. Uh, ball, I, yeah i i just got the, the vision as we're talking about this that what you should have the pedal board with a strap around you can play the pedals on your body and then put the guitar on the floor and then you have like a couple of pedals like a tongs you could hit the hit the notes on the guitar with like your feet and then you're playing the pedals up here like this is where the artistry is happening oh my goodness flip, flip it around right <laughs> <laughs> nobody says the, the guitar right? has to be worn the guitar should be on the floor and then we can do it that way that makes Jeez, complete that's sense that's incredible it's an innovator yeah that's I so great it. I love it. Okay. That okay. is great, new, Randy. New project for 2023. And then the last one yeah, is gloves. Exactly. I don't know why this, this question is in there, but gloves became part of my like load in, load out thing. Like, do gloves exist oh. in your case? I figured there are cases for your hands. This is part of our case, you know, question, I guess. Do gloves I exist in your life at all? I usually don't use gloves, no. but okay. uh, when you're on tour in the winter, mm -hmm. you obviously realize the gloves are way superior to just bare hands. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just gloves makes work. lifting things easier. You know, you you're stronger with gloves on. I don't know exactly how that works, but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is. So, yeah, you can grab anything. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. I so it. I I suggest gloves to everyone, but I don't wear them myself usually. <laughs> just like earplugs, right? Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. You should have earplugs. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely not, wear earplugs. I will not. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Um, awesome. Well, Ollie, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, please uh, let's give shout outs. Like shout. What are where do people find you? Where do you want people to go to learn more about these things and buy all of your records and pedals and everything else you do? Can yeah, you go to the uh, internet. 
Oh, okay. Perfect. I'm there. I, I betcha. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, whatever. What, and, and yeah, but and it's uh, Place to Bury Strangers is the band. Yep. Yep. De- dot com. Yep. Whatever. The Death by Audio dot com. Um, yeah. Dead, Dead Strange. Strange. You can check us out on, I think we have dot com, but I don't know if we have much of a website. But there's, you know, there's all those things you can go to. We have merch stores and stuff. And, you know, there's, I don't know, there's all the bands that are on the label, including you, Randy. Incredible. Yes. Thank you so and, much for that. Uh, I really, yeah. I really can't thank oh, you enough. Oh, man. The for, record's so incredible. good. The videos, oh, and dude. it's just so wicked. It's so cool. It's oh, an honor, thanks, man. man. Thank you so no, much no. for, uh, thank you. for trusting thank you. us with that. It's so cool. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Dude, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being uh, a guest here on Hyphenate with Randy Randall. And uh, we will, we will speak soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, awesome. Randy. Awesome. Dude, it was great catching so much. up, dude. Heck yeah. Good cool. catching up. Awesome. Bye. Oh, yeah. oh man. This isn't the best. Thank you so much, Oliver, for sitting down with me. And, uh, and make sure you guys, everybody go out and check out A Place to Bury Strangers, as well as Death by Audio Pedals and Dead Strange Records. That's D-E-D-S-T-R-A-N-G-E Records. Really cool. Oliver, you're the best. It was really fun hearing about uh, your days starting off and all the RISD days as well. So thank you, everybody. Talk to you again real soon. Bye.